You are now listening to The Sexy Escort Guide, discussing everything fascinating about the world of paid companionship. And now, here is your sexy host, Exotic Vivian. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Sexy Escort Guide podcast. This is episode 87 and I am your host, Vivian. Yes, I know I said I would be back June 3rd, but life happens and I'm here now. Things have just been so busy, so much so that the editing of this episode was outsourced. Gasp. My time is just getting busier and busier, but thanks to you guys and your donation, I'm able to outsource this part of the admin work. I'm just testing this out. Let's see how it goes. If this guy, Jay, works out, that would definitely free up a lot from my plate and I can actually focus on getting more guests on the show and, you know, putting out more content because now I don't have to dread editing. But yeah, thank you so much to Jay for saving the day. Let me know what you think of this episode, Vivian at TSEGP.com. So today we have a special guest, Miss Mahogany, who is a former escort, current sugar baby, and the author of Adventures of a Brown Sugar Baby. We're going to be talking about everything, honey. So buckle up. Let's get into it. But first, a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by our diamond sponsor, Companion Tax and Accounting Services. You've heard us interview the owner, Mary Lee, on episodes 7, 36, and 58. Companion Tax really knows their stuff, and I, Vivian, can personally vouch for them. They are the professionals you need to hire to handle all of your tax accounting and business needs. Companion Tax was created specifically with us companions in mind. It doesn't get any more niche than that. They have been in business since 2011 and have become a leading resource for the community. Although based in South Florida, they are licensed in all states. You can visit them at companiontax.com and fill out the new client information form to get started and take charge of your financial future. Hello, Mahogany. Welcome to the show. Hello, love. Thank you for having me. Yes, it's been, you know, (laughs) three months in the making. It is finally happening. It has been a long time in the making. I've been wanting to do it for a while, so I'm super excited that it's finally going down. Thank you for having me on your uh, podcast. Let's just jump right in. Please tell the listeners a little bit about your background, who you are, and how you got to where you are today. Formerly, my page was like, I think, Ebony Enchantress. And I made it when I first got to LA and first getting into escorting outside of my little teeny town in California, because where I was, it was not something that you could really do. So I got down there and I made my little IG platform and then changed it to Mahogany Bay over time. And I was just kind of sharing my experiences going through L.A. and kind of just being in an environment. I just really decided to be in the community at the time. I think it was around 2017 and 18. It was nice to be able to share experiences that I was going through. Whereas when you're in a, you know, in a vanilla lifestyle, as we like to call it, you don't really get mm-hmm. to share these things with family and friends. Talk about what's going on with clients and <laughs> what you're going. So I'd already been um, in the lifestyle for about four or five years prior to that. I had actually started in Atlanta when I lived here five years ago. And then when came you out say to the LA. lifestyle, which lifestyle? I'm lifestyle? talking about the I'm talking about the whole lifestyle. That oh was like damn. My so you, I yeah. thought you started off as a sugar baby and then No. Out no, that's how oh. that's how it progressed. It was actually the opposite. 
for the record, I was like hoeing full time. I had a little teeny extended stay out here in Atlanta. I was mm-hmm. staying out of and trapping out of. And when I couldn't afford to keep the place, even though I was making good money, I ended up coming back out to California where I've been living two, three years prior. And I was what trying you do to do with it. all your money, girl. <laughs> well, that was the thing. That was, well, that's the thing. Even back then, even with Craigslist and Forfast and Sesta set in, and that wasn't a big issue, I wasn't making enough to really save a lot. I was making enough just oh. to kind of make ends meet and then have a little extra. Got it. So I decided to branch out to California and come back and see what that was like. And that's when I met my sugar daddy. And that's who I've been with for the past oh. almost four years. So LA yeah, was I made to move back. than Atlanta. Oh my gosh, it was a huge difference. I mean, in Atlanta, I had my little clientele, but you know, your I'm body not type is not for Atlanta, it. though. It's not for Atlanta, sis. Yeah, your, your like, body I'm a type little, is for like I'm New little, York let's and be LA. real. I'm a little toothpick. I'm a little bean pole. I ain't got much little body mass on me. I look like a little thin bottle type. And for the record, I want to gain weight, but that's not the market. Let's not say that out loud like before people hate though. on your ass. Like, shut up. <laughs> I'm like, you need to go where your body is celebrated. You know what I'm saying? Right. Here's the but, thing, yeah. though. Of course, they nobody gonna hate on your body because your body is fabulous like holly berry's little sister work out fifty thousand times a day and watch what i eat and i'm a foodie i love food but i gotta like work out to like die to keep my physique so shut up (laughs) no one feels your pain (laughs) you know what don't nobody know that though don't nobody know that like (laughs) i don't think you want to know like my skinniness is due to starvation as a child. So if y'all want my body, just have your parents starve you in. Well, we definitely don't want, you know, although they're girls don't that want starve that. themselves now as adults. So I don't, I mean. Right. Just, and I realize too, because so people, up. see, the thing is though, like I'm West African. So people be asking me like, like, do you eat? But when I went to Africa and I went and visited my family, they were like, you know, you eat enough mahogany. You eat enough to feed seven people. I was like, can you tell my friends that? Because they think a skinny bitch ain't eating. Your well, body is just metabolizing me. things faster. On a whole different level, on a whole different level. Well, that's the thing, though. When I went out to California, I told people if I wanted to get plastic surgery, that would have been the one place that would have probably convinced me to do so. But most of the men that I dated out there and clients I had were like, do not change your size. And so it was a whole yeah, different natural kind of Natural bodies are about to be like a hot commodity very soon oh, because everyone's getting altered. It's about to be yep. like a hot ticket item very mm-hmm. soon. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't really familiar. to people getting surgeries, you know, do what oh, you no, need not to at all. make you feel happy. Not at all. Yeah. And for the record, y'all be looking fabulous. Not hating on any of those altered bodies at all. Because, I mean, especially exactly. if you have the money to do that and make yourself look the way that you want to look. Yeah, as long as it's what you want and you're happy. Exactly. So I got into California that I started seeing a different influx in the money situation and in the clientele. So I was still doing some escorting. I was really getting most of my clients off of like Tinder. I've made money off Tinder. I wasn't even, you know what I'm saying? Like, girl, I had like one date. I've made money off all the dating sites. Look, look, I have one (laughs) date that I had at the Perch. The Perch is this really cool like rooftop bar in the middle of L.A. Is so I could go popping? down there. Oh, it's still popping. It will oh, always okay. be popping because it has you this heard little that bird icon. Freestyling. Like little, little freestyle tip ladies. So the perch has this little bird icon. So when you go to the perch hotel, it's like at a hotel and it's on the top floor on the penthouse floor. And there's a little bird icon that lets you know that you're getting to the floor where bars are. So I met this nice. guy there. I even told him, I was like, I just need some money for my passport. He whips out $500 at the bar and just gives it to me. 
We hadn't even done anything Wait, is yet. this your sugar daddy you're talking about? Or this just... isn't even my sugar daddy. This is just one of my uh, first uh, dates uh. in L.A. And so I was just kind of to the perch and met him on the dating app and he was like, here's $500. I love it. Exactly. Exactly. And this kind of ties into the transparency. I didn't have to lie or really manipulate men in a way that wasn't completely altruistic to what I needed. I could figure out a way to balance the line and kind of walk the guidelines and be able to figure out how to connect my humbleness, what I needed and not have to lie to get it. So I was able to kind of say mm-hmm. in a nonchalant way, and look, for the record, a passport costs you about $200. It does not cost you $500. This man whipped out the 500 because he had the extra money. And because mm-hmm. I was so honest about it, he was willing to do it. And when I caught that, I was like, so I don't really have to lie to get what I want. I might have to lean a little bit on the fabricated side if I need to. <laughs> if I need to. But I can really be honest about pretty much anything I'm doing. And it's not going to cause a lot of issues. And it really has kept me from being in some really tricky situations if I hadn't been really transparent, especially with the sugar daddy that I did meet. I don't think we would be together for three and a half going on four years now if I wasn't honest about everything that I do. And most people wouldn't understand that. I get that. When I did have my injury, he was there and I kind of had to make sure I had somebody in my corner. And when you get that, you don't really toss that away. Kind of keep it there. And that requires a certain amount of honesty. I'm going to dive in a little bit deeper with that just real quick. I'm going to say the reason why you are able to be honest and not mm-hmm. get any backlash is because he actually liked you, which is something you can't predict in advance. Like guys Very that like true. you tend to do more for you. And that's not something you can like Very predict. True. That's not something you can force. I'm sure everybody has that one guy that's just obsessed with them and you don't even know mm-hmm. why. Literally what yep. it was, you guys were compatible and he liked you. But yep. if you know the guy doesn't like you, lie. <laughs> ooh, 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 ooh. Okay, but put it, it this way. Is. If you have to lie, just know that the guy doesn't like you that much and govern yourself accordingly. But anyways, right. keep going. Keep going. Right. I've also told people, especially if they're like in vanilla relationships and they're also doing sex work on the side, you feel comfortable enough to be completely honest with that person, good for you. But in most cases, you might have to tell a couple white lies. You might have to tell two truths and a lie to kind of get past things because you don't want to be fully transparent because some people can't handle that. They're not going to be able to handle you being honest about what you want to do for your living. They're not going to be honest about you and being a part of that lifestyle in the past, you know, which is an issue that we've come across over the three years. But when you can differentiate and kind of give a little white lie in between, it makes things a little bit easier. And I can't say that I haven't had to do that in my relationship for three and a half years. And he's been constantly paying all my bills. What do you think will happen? We love it. So I ended up going back to California. I think that was 2018 was when I met my current sugar daddy. And let's just call him Mr. Mm-hmm. Santa Monica. Shortly after I'm we assuming met, that's actually, where you met him? I met him in L.A. And we met in Santa Monica for our date. And Santa Monica yeah. was actually one of the first places I went to in L.A. Santa Monica is amazing. Beach is great. And there's yeah. so many areas right down near Venice, Santa Monica, where there's some baddies. Yep. Girl, you already know. Mm-hmm. Like. Quick Pause. question. Now, how did you meet this sugar daddy? Dating app as well? This was through dating app. out and about. Through dating app. Okay. So, and this Got is it. also when you could be a little bit more frugal on Tinder and they weren't quite as quick to cut you off if you said anything off the cuff. I ended mm-hmm. up saying that I wanted something mutually beneficial. He said he was looking for the same thing. Mind you, this man is a teacher. He teaches high school students. Not super, super rich, but he is Jewish and he's very frugal about his money. 
So I knew, knowing the background, well, all that I the money to he saved, he gave it to you. Got it. Let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you. Not only that, not only that, but he's still sitting here trying to figure out ways to replace it because he's that much of a Jewish man. He's like, before I met you, there was a one in my bank account for all these other numbers. So I see how much I have <laughs> The other point of it is that when you meet somebody of that caliber, and I don't like to stereotype, Jewish people are very smart with their money. There's a reason why when you talk to Jewish people about their money, most of them don't ever talk about it in the concept of being broke. I even asked my friend Noah, who is very, very Jewish. I called him and I said, have you ever known any of your Jewish friends to be broke? And Noah responded to me literally in kind, in which account? So like, <laughs> there's, there's never a time when Jewish yep. people don't have money. It's not hard of It's a foreign concept. Their concept of problems are not the same as any other person. Yeah, I knew that sure. if I was going to meet up with him and get with him, it was going to be a sure thing. We met up, and I want to say around February, of 2018 and then shortly after that I had my accident I really want people to read the book if they want to learn a lot more about it I had a lot of girls asking about it I think you included after it first happened that didn't know what was going on yeah all I I saw was just the pictures that you posted the pictures yeah and I decided after maybe a year that I was like I think I need to write a book about this but also from the black woman's perspective of being a sugar baby and being a sex worker, what we face and what we deal with, what girls aren't really concerned about when it comes to sex work. I don't know many girls that have my story either. I ended up having a bad date happen. I was still living with Mr. Santa Monica at the time. So I'm living with Mr. Santa Monica at the time while working. And I tell him that I really want to quit my job and I just want to focus on my music, which is what I do besides my writing. You actually have a pretty good voice. So I hope you take it further. I mean, if Cardi thank B you can do so it. much. Thank you. So, look, just, and that's why I also share it. Just that's don't thing. shit on your roots. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, hell no. Look, why do you but think? Why do you think you I'm like. What? She actually doesn't, though. It's just that they all do it. Every hoe. They all do it. Out, right. Always. And But for the record, I did, um, just so everybody can know, I want. I definitely want to plug this. I did get the real Donna Cherry, who is like a real straight up 304 hoe from the street, like from the South, from PA. And I got her on a track called Donna Check. And I'm going to release okay. that because I really did want to have a whole anthem. I would love I strategically... to spit a couple of verses, you know. <laughs> yes, okay. Like, please, let us get in the booth soon. Sis, what are we talking about? We both all the East Coast. Let's do this. I'm going to try and release this off of my next album and have that out so that I can have a whole anthem for my bitches. Because it's like, I do need to be staying true to my roots. And I don't want girls thinking like, oh, I forgot about it. Like, nah, y'all. You don't really owe anyone anything. Let's be honest. It's not even about that. I just feel like I don't like it when people decide to disassociate themselves from a part of their past that really no, they went through it. It may happen to some women. But I will say, I think it's more about wanting to disassociate yourself from your past as opposed to own up to it and be proud of it. And when you do that, I don't think that most women realize how many women fans and support base they lose by just not being honest. If I go from being transparent, even in this podcast, and then when I get on an interview and they're like, oh, we heard this podcast, we heard you might have been doing sex work for you and escort. And I'm going to just be honest and I'm going to really lay it down on them in a way that they're not going to be comfortable. Both define sex work. Because if you're defining about being a cam girl, yes, I did sex work. Defining about being an escort at one point, yes, I was an escort. If you're defining about being a sugar baby, yes, I was in sex work. 
there's so many definite terms. I don't even think they know to call it that. Exactly. (laughs) And that's kind of what I also wanted to bring up in my book is that as soon as you bring up that you were even involved in sex work, men automatically think that you're having sex for money. They don't realize that there is such a broad term. And that's why I was like, you know, I really hate that you guys don't understand that when I first applied for my first stripper job, they defined it as a SOB, sexually oriented business or adult entertainment. There are so many different forms of it that you can't narrow it down to, oh, so I heard you worked in sex work. So were you an escort? Well, it's like, well, I was many things. Just to dumb it down to escort is very rude and presumptuous. Why don't you ask me which field of sex work I worked in? Was I a stripper? Was I a cam girl? Was I an escort? Was I an advocate? Was I an author? And then that really fucks people up. <laughs> Use my language. It really messes people up when they're giving you interviews because hey, then they don't know how to associate people on the show. Okay, good. It really messes people up in context of an interview because then they don't know how to categorize. They want to put you in that box. And that's not fair to do that to so many women. You have more titles than just being what you are as a podcast person that you present this whole thing and you do this great podcast. You have more titles than that. But when somebody just stereotypes you to one title, it's so unfair as a woman and it's so unfair as a worker and whatever it is, then your field is determined by how other people define you. That's why we all came in this community too was so that we could feel like whatever avenue we were taking in it, no one was going to define you by it. And yeah, it was just a bad date. It was not a good date. I shouldn't have taken it. I was living with Mr. Santa Monica at the time. I think this is the cautionary part that I really want to tell. I'm going to go in my book and I want people to read the book regardless. I was so desperate to have another avenue for money that I didn't really sit there and evaluate the avenue of money that I already had. So I went on Bumble and I booked another date that I really shouldn't have booked. And I took the date and it ended a disaster. He roofied my drink. I blacked out. And the rest is very much history because those pictures that everybody saw of me afterwards in the hospital and me with the injury, that's all I remember. And that's kind of the cautionary part that I want to bring up to women is that this desperation that we have is also the reason why when girls ask me, have you ever been caught up in a fence? Have you ever been caught for doing sex work? No, because I had a gut instinct in my body that would always tell me, you know what? I've made enough money for the night. I think I'm good. I'm going to cut it loose. Most girls do not have that inner gut feeling that tells them, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't do this. And I had that little gut feeling when I was drinking my we little vodka drink. We all have it. I had it when I was drinking my little vodka drink and I was eating some pasta before I went to meet the man so I didn't drink on his stomach. I told myself, I don't know if I should really take this date. I'm staying in this nice apartment right here in Santa Monica, literally two blocks from Ocean Avenue. I don't mm-hmm. know if I really need to do this. But I'm going to just do it anyways because I don't want to feel like I'm with just one guy and have one option. Mm -hmm. And it was the biggest mistake I could have made. I should have just kept my ass at home because I woke up in the hospital next morning with a cast up to my thigh. Doctors coming in telling me, look, ma'am, I don't know what you remember. If we didn't do surgery, you were going to lose your leg. Like, how did you get to the hospital? Did anybody tell you? I had to get airlifted. So what ended up happening was the man that I went on a date with tried to take me away from where we met for the date, tried to take me to where he lived, which was literally probably two hours outside of Santa Monica. That Santa Monica to Malibu takes about an hour and a half to get into Malibu. And I think what happened was I got out of his car because I was frightened and I knew I wasn't going home. And he kicked me, probably kicked me out of his car because I was probably belligerent at that point because I've been drugged. 
Then I wandered into traffic, and a motorcyclist that didn't see me hit me head on and broke my leg. Wow. Yeah. Because I was this also another update or was this advertising? This was an update. Regular. This was Bumble, and I have no problem saying exactly what happened with uh, Bumble. I hate Bumble, and I. <laughs> I hate Bumble for this very reason. I don't even like to be on Bumble. I'm glad that they actually banned my account because I don't want to be on there anymore. When I reached out to him the day after, he said something like, don't ever contact me again. You're crazy. I'm contacting my lawyer. But I never forgot that because I thought, why would you need to contact your lawyer if you were innocent? It was a very not good scenario. I had to tell so many people about the accident, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to just put all of this stuff in a book. And I'm also going to put all the experiences that Black women go through in sex work that we don't talk about. I started looking at it when I was in my bed for a year. My dad had like a year of recovery. Thank God you had your guy there to support. Hallelujah. Praise Jeebus. And also, here's the thing. When I woke up in the hospital, what did I have to do? I had to be honest with Mr. Santa Monica. I couldn't sit there and lie to him. That's where the transparency thing came in. I realized if you lie to people in a point where you need them, you will end up putting yourself in positions where you will be in a really bad shape. Those people that just expected you to be honest are going to get really mad that you just couldn't keep it 100. So I told him before I even went back to file my report with the Fairmont Hotel. And I told him, I like, look, I went on a date. And it's because I just was not fully comfortable trusting you. And I really feel bad that I even took the chance and did that. But here we are. And he forgave me for it. But most people probably wouldn't do that. Again, another reason why I know that he really likes you. I lied about it at first. I wasn't honest. And it wasn't right when I got in the hospital and he woke up and saw me there. It was probably about two months after that that I actually was honest. He's still stuck by you. So that's how you yep. know he really likes you. Mm-hmm. So cautionary tale, ladies. Trust your gut. Don't also, don't, ask, take don't act out of desperation. If- Don't take take a day just because you're desperate for money. So how do you see your experience as a sugar baby compared to that of being an escort? I think that when you're escorting, it's that instant gratification that comes from going on the date. You get to know that you're going to have money involved. You're going to have gifts involved. You're going to have a certain fantasy level that's involved with it. But then at some point it ends and you go home and you go back to your regular life. Within that, I was happy with it, but I didn't feel safe after my accident. I wanted to go more the sugar baby route, especially with Mr. Santa Monica because he was there. So I kind of started easing out of escorting. When it came to having clients outside of being the sugar baby, I would kind of keep that to the side and I'd have a massage client, quote unquote. But I wouldn't say I had a full on client. Nobody wants to hear about you being with somebody else. There goes the two truths and a lie. I would still have a few little things going on on the side. But even now, I felt more uncomfortable being uh, escort because I felt like my worth was tied in, up into my visual aesthetic. Wearing stockings is great, but at some point, some guys want you to take off stockings. And if they see my leg, it's an immediate turn off. There's still a lot of scarring. And this is the big thing I try to tell people. Being a sugar baby, they pay you to stick around, pay you to be there, pay you not to leave. They pay you to be by their side no matter how many years go by, whether you want to be with them or not. And then with being an escort, they pay you to leave. They really had that good time. You had a good weekend. You had a wonderful month. My wife is coming home. You need to leave now. Pay you and you leave. Completely mm-hmm. different kind of exchange, especially with an intimacy because you know it's short term. I feel like with escorting, the intimacy situation is much more short term. It's, it's a, a business. Thing. 
it's a business. You have all the yeah. benefits of that, but really, you know what the exchange is. Even if it's just for the weekend and he's not getting this attention from his wife, that's what he's going to get from me. Whereas when a sugar baby, even if he has other women on the side, you know that he's still making sure you're taken care of. You don't really have to do much. You may see him once or twice a year, but he's paying you to stick around. You're out on trips. You'll do all this and stuff. But then you know that in that context, everything's getting paid for. I got my cabin paid for by Mr. Santa Monica. You know, my license and all this stuff getting ready with Mr. Santa Monica. When they know that they're investing in something that's going moving forward within the person, they're more willing to invest. But when you're an escort, they're just investing in that short-term experience. And there's a huge misconception with thinking the same thing. But there is a definite guideline. And I don't want people to think that being a sugar baby is not being a sex worker. It's the same thing. You're doing the it's same the thing. Same you're just thing doing it for a longer amount of time. For different reasons. <laughs> right. Now here's what I think it is. You're doing it for a longer time for more of an emotional investment that you have to give. That's really <laughs> all that that is. Because we know how it is. And let's be real, sis. Every time after you get done with a client, you be like, I can't wait to go home, get in my own bed, lay down, shower, be by myself. You're sick of daddy, but you're like, but you're like, like, uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm saying though. With the sugar (laughs) daddy, you gotta wait, you gotta wait three or four days after your vacation has been done with, and you gotta be like, okay, I spent a week with this man, I can't wait to go home by myself. But it took a week (laughs) of my damn time (laughs) to Mm, get by mm, myself, mm. not two or three hours, but two or three days of my time. And that's what I, I keep on trying to explain to women. I think that's yeah. why I've been trying to do it. It's definitely a higher time investment for sure, it's which is why you have investment. to know. You kind of have to pick a good one. Like with being a hoe, you know, if a client is trash, you just toss them. With sugaring, you're spending all this time. You better make sure the person you're investing your time with is actually going to be giving you that sugar that you want. Exactly. Because a lot of girls invest time with the wrong guys or somehow get manipulated or something mm-hmm. in the whole mm-hmm. sugar and world. I mean, there are a lot of clients that they're trying to be sugar daddies, but they're literally yep. just clients that cannot afford escorts. <laughs> exactly. Or let's be real. Like you have people like that that are on SA and they say they want that all are this. Actually but clients. then when you get and when yeah. you get down to the real nitty gritty, they don't want to fill those terms. Like I had one SA guy and he was real nice. This happened during the time while I'm still with Mr. Santa Monica, by the way. We had our little arrangement set up. But I remember when I mentioned anything outside of, so are we going to be at your place all the time? Are you taking me out shopping? Are we going anywhere? Are we doing anything? Are you just having some girls coming over here, giving you what you need when you want to, and then leaving and just getting that little stipend? And I noticed he got really quiet. And that's when I realized I was like, oh, so you're more of the client type. You're not really a sugar daddy. That was a thread of guys saying how they go the essay route, but they say how they go the essay really? route to find girls that they can pay cheaper instead of paying hoes. I'm Let like, wow. This, this man was so cheap. Let me tell you, sis, he shall not be named. He was still using his ex-black girlfriend's Netflix account. Still using her account when I come over there. So every time we pop over and see Netflix, and I ain't going to know if I name, her name, Markeisha. Hey, that could be she a come. white girl. That is not <laughs> no white girl. Ain't no white girl's I name, Markeisha. Know, in, tw- in 2021, nothing surprises me anymore. No, ain't no white girl's name, Markeisha. Because I, I, I got words for you. I, I got words for you. And look, I was just talking about some names I heard growing up. Just not me normal. Like, I literally knew a girl in grade school named Shatika. And she got in trouble because she went to try and spell out her name. 
but it's not like she was saying shit. So she got in trouble. But I swear to God, her name was Shatika. Marquisha, I saw that. I says, and I guess you're dating black women that don't talk back to you. They don't have their own opinions. And they really just and come over here and just do what they got to do. They're just mm-hmm. desperate. But when I saw that, it made me feel like I was sacrificing some of my morals. So what do you think is a misconception like, about sugar babies? Oh, this is the big one. I was coming home one day. We've been trying to have this thing for three months because there was a whole month almost where I had no Wi-Fi. I came home. I told my landlady, I was like, I'm going to need you to fix this Wi-Fi. I'm having issues with this. It's a big deal for me. I can't work on my campsites. I can't make money on my own. It's a big deal. And she looks at me and she says, don't you have somebody else paying your bills? And I said, well, Mr. Santa Monica pays my rent, but he doesn't pay all of my bills. And the first thing she said after that was, well, if somebody's paying your rent, why would you want to work? What I does that got to like... do with the Wi-Fi? I don't... <laughs> okay, so, okay, so, right, 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 okay, okay, right, right, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying the same thing, too. I'm sitting there going, that ain't got nothing to do with Wi-Fi. But when Mr. Santa Monica heard it, because he was on speakerphone, he was like, what? And she felt, I guess, because somebody else was paying for everything, I shouldn't need to worry about anything. I shouldn't have to worry about the fact that the Wi-Fi wasn't on. My sugar daddy's paying for everything. That's that like was the whole thing. that because somebody else is paying for your groceries, they should be able to just, you know, spit in it and it's fine. because Exactly. So because you aren't paying for the Wi-Fi, it's not a priority for you. And it's like, but actually it's it still is. Being paid. It it's still a bill that's every, being it's paid still being you. made. And then I told her, I said, okay, okay, wait, so it's not a big deal. All right, let me, let me ask you this. You're cool with having your rent being two weeks short, right? Because you caused me two weeks of being able to work on my own, not off of somebody else's dime, to pay your rent. And now I can't work. So if you're cool with your rent being two weeks short, keep the Wi-Fi off. I had to get real bitchy. As a Virgo, I don't like to do that. If you bring it out of me, I'll be a little crazy. And when she heard that, she was like, oh, no, I'll get it fixed. I was like, okay, cool. It doesn't concern you who pays it. That was the biggest pissed off misconception I had, even as a sugar baby. So this is what people think of me, Mr. Santa Monica, because you take care of everything. I don't need to actually have my own independence. I don't need to have my own money. I don't need to be my own person. You take care of everything. I don't like that conception. And I wonder if white people and black people feel the same way. So is that what people think when they see me walking around and I hit you up and I tell you, send me $100 and you send me $100? So the thing, I don't need to work. I don't need to have my own money. It's the exact opposite for me. It's why I've been working a year on this book because I don't want anybody thinking that all of my resources come from somebody else or that I don't have my own resources of mind. Does it really matter that, what they think, though? No, but I think it's a big misconception within the sugar baby community if they think that all of us are these ditzy girls that don't have our own ideas in mind of what we want to do, and it's all based around the men that pay our bills. I didn't like that. I don't know if that's a misconception that other women don't like, but I know it was a misconception I didn't like. And whether this seems extremely contradictory, (laughs) my mom really did raise me not to depend on any man for anything. So when I heard my landlady say that, to my sugar daddy, I thought, well, this is something I don't like. I just mostly I don't just know like the does. fact that when you brought up the Wi-Fi, she brought up who was paying your rent. Like, I don't like exactly. it when people don't stick to the subject at hand. Okay, exactly. So what do you think exactly. is the misconception about escorts? That you don't want to have your own lives outside of work. That it's all about 
monetary gain for a man and that you wouldn't actually want to have a relationship. The biggest thing that I've heard about escorts, and let's just be real about like hoeing, is that if you're a hoe, you're always going to be a hoe. I really disagree with that mentality. I just think you just level up in life, but I think you level up and I'm like as um you're, so, you're definitely okay. not gonna be a square. <laughs> but here's the thing, here's the thing, here's what I think will always be happening. There's this new show out called Run This World, I think, on stars. It's about like four girls. I think Brooklyn. I heard about it and it's right. four black good. girls in Brooklyn. And there's one episode that really bothers one of the girls actually because she's sleeping with this professor. They're not married, but they're together. And one night they have this party and this girl says, you know, girl, you know, you really like fucking up in life. And she's like, what do you mean? You know, really like fucking upwards. Like most girls just be having sex to just have sex. But you're really fucking like to get ahead. You're like fucking upwards. And I'm just proud of you. I mean, girl, more power to you. I've seen a lot of the girls come around to this party and they have not done nearly as good as you have. And the girl gets upset because she thinks there were other girls involved as opposed to really listening to what the woman is saying and saying that you're really fucking to level up and you're having sex to level up with this man and make yourself more of a brand for yourself and you doing the right thing. She's so bothered by it, whereas all the other females, probably myself included, are like, I like that. You're not fucking up in life. You're like fucking upward in life. (laughs) I really (laughs) like that. So I was so happy that I was like, yes, go ahead, sis. Yeah, tell her. And she's so bothered by the end of the episode. Everybody else says like, she didn't say you were fucking up in life. She said you were fucking up. Like, and that's a good thing. (laughs) What we do as escorts, like, we're fucking upward. Like, we're not fucking up in life. We're fucking upward to elevate ourselves, to level up in the sense of knowing that our pussy has power, our bodies have power, they have meaning. It's one of the oldest forms of work that we've ever seen done. No man is ever going to stand up and really get upset about any woman that's given him a service that he really enjoyed. Never going to happen. I don't care how big I get. I highly doubt I'm going to have a whole bunch of clients coming out of the woodwork saying, she displeased me. Y'all ain't going to be mad at all. Y'all was happy that you had sex with a superstar. The fact that we have to be degraded for something that really only helps us level up in life that you all taught us to do from very young ages. Mm. What does that mean? And why do we have to be degraded for it and also treated by this bias that not only if, okay, if I'm a hoe for life, so if I'm fucking upward in life for life that makes me a bad person because i'm going to do that with my husband i'm going to do that with my lover i'm going to do that with whoever i'm with they better be elevating me or else what am i dealing with even if it's just of monetary value why am i doing it whereas there are so many women i see me and you both included that we've been fucking upward and leveling upward the whole time and it hasn't done any harm to anybody around us for some reason, it gives stereotypes that means we don't want to ever be anything besides that. Yeah, it's all about control. Do you think there is more of a stigma within Black women and sex work than there is with white women? Because I wanted to bring this up in the book, and I do want to talk about it, because I feel like sometimes there is a misconception. I mean, I honestly think it depends. As with everything in the damn world, race seems to play a factor, and the Europeans definitely, and the people that are closest to Europeans will always be regarded as whatever, the mold or whatever. Right, we're, we're breaking away from that as time goes on. But as far as, I just think it depends on who you know, whether right. or not you're black or white. It just depends. It really just depends. I agree. 
Look at what's her name, Vanessa Williams. Well, she got her crown yanked away. So true. Got her crown <laughs> yanked away and everything. But she's still, you know, the shit. I don't even think anybody mm-hmm. remembers that anymore. Look at Oprah or Maya yep. Angelou. I mean, Billie Holiday, you let's know, be honest. Eartha Kitt. Eartha Kitt. <laughs> You know, I mean, so and that's the I just thing. Think it depends. I think back in the day, like before our time, way, way before, sex work was actually more revered and it was considered mm-hmm. part of the arts. And as time went on, it just got cheapened. That's all yeah. it is. Like, you think about the geishas and like the Moulin Rouge type situations, like all those hoes, they were revered. Guys couldn't get none anywhere, but now everything is so hypersexualized. You know, everybody yep. wants to be twerking on the streets for free and, you know, yep. fucking everybody for free. Fucking everybody point, for free. I don't free. even think it matters if you're in sex work at this point. Because it's like, oh. I mean, yeah, agreed. You got but I paid. will say this. I did recently talk to a couple of nice brothers and asked their opinion on it. And by you brothers, know, folks, I- she means black guys. <laughs> I mean, black guys. I mean, I mean, you know, the word that I don't want to say on live, but yeah, I do want to say on live. Don't I'm not, not going to say it no. though. Like, I did speak to a couple of brothers, and they did say, you know, like, if you had said to me, this is a very interesting thing that I found out. And one of them actually had dealt with other sex workers, and the other one hadn't. So I asked them both, I said, I told y'all when I first met both of y'all that I have a sugar daddy. I don't have regular clients. I don't have all that stuff going on. I just have a sugar daddy. And y'all were both like, okay, cool. And y'all still pursued me. And y'all still liked me because I was honest and transparent about that. Had I said, you know, so I'm actually still entertaining clientele dealing with other men, would you still mess with me? Or would you even still talk to me? And both of them said, oh, see, the deal is though, I might still F with you on occasion, but I probably wouldn't see you as anything serious. And I felt that was such a fucked up way to stereotype well, a woman. you force people to no, think no, differently. But, no, no, no. But I thought it was very interesting that both of them really very quickly said, had I said I was still escorting, would you guys still even talk to me? And they were both like, no. I thought that was really are you, interesting. Are you really surprised, though? Um, no, not fully, no. <laughs> uh, but I think I wanted the validation. So if I put it in my book, it didn't seem weird. But I do think there is this big thing about, especially within the black community, about men not wanting to share. They don't want to share. Do you really think in the white community, the guys are fine with the girls that they're with being hoes? No, but I think that if there's already that set in place or it's just a transactional situation, it's way different if it's somebody you're really dating, dating, mm-hmm. and they're not being honest. I don't think it matters the race. Guys will still have issues if a woman that they're seeing is a hoe. Even when they're just regular free sluts, they have issues. So right. imagine if it's your business. And they the only reason I said that, and I don't mean to even segregate it, the only reason I said that is because I remember, you know, the last black man that I was with and I was dating for three years. I went to Paris and I went to Africa to visit my family. I didn't sleep with anybody. I was there for three and a half months. When I got back, he had been with three other women. I was like, okay, that's what you want to do? It's cool. We can separate. And when we were separated, I was with one person. While we were separated and I was with that one person, he got so mad that when I was with one person, you share your body with three different women. You expect me not to be mad at you at all. I have sex with one person while we're separated 
and you get so livid because I shared my body with somebody else, how can you have possession over someone that you didn't even respect their body enough to not endanger it while I was gone? There's a possessiveness. There has, there's always been hypocrisy with guys, and it's we already know that there's always been a hypocrisy, a and it's double standard. It's such a bullshit. But well, what are you gonna do? You can cry right, about it. I'm gonna be honest you with you. When we, look, like, I'm gonna be honest with you. When we did have that final breakup, and one of my old Craigslist ads that I didn't want to be seen was exposed, I tried to lie it off, and he didn't believe me, and we broke up over it. I said. Well, shit, I'm free now. I'm a free agent now. I made more money that month than I had in the whole fucking year. Because I was like, shit, I can make my money. I can do what I got to do. The moral story is like... still have to work. (laughs) No. Also, too, if he ever makes you have to sit there and, like, question anything about your faithfulness and your loyalty, and you've been loyal, and they're doing the most, I'm not ever going to put none of my trust in just one person ever again. Like, I don't care. You may see me slide off for a little bit. They take a break. But I'm never going to be that one person that can fully put my trust in one person unless they prove that, which is why the only reason I'm still with the sugar daddy I'm with. I ain't really with nobody else. Still paying my bills three years straight. So you're saying you're never going to get married? I don't know that I would never. That does require trust. I think that if I was with somebody I really trusted, I might try marriage. I would really need to make sure I was going to be getting a good settlement. <laughs> I'm be thinking ahead the whole time, sis. I ain't ever going to lose that little hustler. We were like, let me make sure, though. I'll tell, me, you wait, hold up. I'll tell you a little secret. Gold diggers have been doing that since the beginning of time. I'll be fine. I think I'll be just fine. And for the record, you know, like, Mr. Santa Monica's already gotten my dad's blessing. He's not the person I would marry. But he's done enough that if I keep this going, I can get a little nest egg, get a little nest egg out of him before I uh, cut ties. He's getting on up there in <laughs> age. What is your rush to cut ties now? I've been with him since I was 29. I didn't really get a chance to kind of figure out what I want to do for myself. It was only until I started writing this book that I realized I kind of had other goals. And also, too, I'm a musician. I had to remind him at one point. I said, so what happens when COVID's over? And the world opens back up and I'm gone for six to eight months out of the year. Because remember, my father is a very well-known reggae artist. And you can Google him and I'll actually give you his info when we get off of here. So he's very well-known and famous. And I know what happens when you get in that spotlight and you have no time for other people unless they really understand what you're doing. Now, if I'm making all that money and I have all that stuff going on with my career, he won't be there. He's not going to like it. He why needs lots you, of attention. Why don't you, why don't you <laughs> just let it happen and, and see instead of just... I tried giving little hinnies. I was like, this is what's going to happen, okay? The first six months, I'm going to be on tour. They're going to fly you out. They'll have a little quickie. I'm going to have your daughter come out and see me before. Then you go go back home. Then the other six months going to go by. Fly you out. We're going to have a quickie. going to have some time with me. Like, I'm trying to prep him, but in like a way that he understands it's still going to be accommodating to his needs. So it doesn't feel like I'm completely cutting ties. And that makes it easier. I think he thinks that if I get like big or my music blows up all of a sudden, I'm just going to forget about all he's done for me. But I even told him when like I get my first Grammy, I'll give him a secret shout out on stage that isn't a full shout out to him, but a sort of shout out. So he knows that I do understand that he's really part of the reason why I'm still around. If he wasn't here to nurse me back to health, I don't know what would happen. Trying to toss him aside. Mm. Ain't trying to toss him aside. (laughs) Ain't trying to toss him aside. 
But I think this is the one thing that happens. This is a definite, really big definition between an escort and a sugar baby. When you're a sugar baby and you form an attachment, it becomes very much harder to separate that bond, especially if you have personal goals or dreams that are outside of that relationship. And if you're young enough to be able to define that, it's not hard for you to say, look, this is what I want. I need space. Let me back up and do what I need to do. When you're older and that happens, you really do have to assess and be like, okay, yeah, this is great. I'm enjoying the money that's coming in. I'm glad you're paying my bills. But at one point, I'm going to want to individualize myself. And I don't want to just be me being with you. I think so many people get caught up in this idea of getting with a sugar daddy that we never acknowledge the idea of not being with a sugar daddy or leaving one to be able to be our own person. Sounds like you have an internal struggle between being taken care of and doing your own thing. Yeah, but that's always been my internal struggle. And Mm. I think he notices that, which is why he's still been really reliant. Even when we first met, you have to understand when I first met him, I was making my own money. At that point, I saw how much that made him uncomfortable. And then when I became reliant on him, it was like power shift. But now it's kind of going back to where it's making him uncomfortable. So I know if I had just a little bit of my own money, I could still keep this relationship going with my sugar daddy, which I want to keep. But just take some of the pressure off of him feeling like he's my only source of income. You think he feels pressure that he's your only source? I feel like, and this is the weird thing, the more when I try to, and this is the reason why I want to do it more and more, the more that I try to separate myself, he gets uncomfortable. Because I feel like as if he feels that if I don't need him financially, that I won't. And that's kind of one of those weird things that happens when you get the sugar daddy. Whether you want to think they have that kind of financial hangup or not, there is some sort of emotion tied around this money thing. And whenever I'm like, yeah, it's cool. I'm going to just get my own money. I don't need you. I'm going to just sell this book, as many copies as I need to. It'll be fine. And then I won't really be relying on you. Maybe right. don't tell That's them the that. thing. <laughs> Maybe don't tell them that because Maybe the world makes you uncomfortable. Maybe just live my life and just kind of do my thing and let things happen. Please don't. Please don't do this. Yeah, this right here. Please don't do this. Sometimes you think it's gonna be comforting, and you're like, "Oh yeah, this is gonna be great. He's gonna be real comforting." But at the end of the day, it actually makes them panic. They start to think like, "Well, what does she need me for?" This is what you don't want to do. It's sort of like putting in your bio on Seeking or any kind of dating app, like, "I'm self reliant. I pay my own bills. I cook my own food." Don't do that. Shut up. <laughs> Don't put any of that. <laughs> so what is one misconception people have about you? I think they think that the same way that I'm talking to you in this podcast, the same way that I am in person, isn't who I am in real life. In this community, we've grown very jaded to trusting one another, which is fine. There's many women that are not really trustworthy. And we get to think that there's not many women that are humble and kind of keep the same kind of concept in person as they do online or via just, you know, this kind of setting. I've noticed a lot, even when I did my first Sugar Ladies Luncheon, this was like 2019 or 2020, and a lot of girls were like, you're really the same way you are online, in person. I just thought it was really interesting because I thought, well, what would you think I was going to be like? Did you think I was going to just not be humble and transparent and... It's really why I've been wanting to meet you for freaking, what, two years now? Because I want people to see that I really am the same way in person that I am. We get, though, used to presenting a slight 
idea of what we are on social media, but not who we really are. We're hoes. Like, it's a business. You can't. Like, I know. I, I get that. On, on no, I get that. On the internet. Like, I get that. But for that me, shit. right. And I get that. And some women really do have to do that. But for me, I don't fully have to do that because I'm not fully in the whole lifestyle as much. So I, mean, I don't really mind if my face is fully transparent, too. So I just think there it depends are. on what you're comfortable with. There are. And then I also know, too, it's about who's following you, because, you know, I really try to make sure there's not a lot of guys following my page. But I know a lot of these women are a girl, they're gonna be guys. but not only that, but it's like you have to be careful to know that there's other women that probably have clients following their page. So they can't be mm-hmm. fully transparent and they can't just say everything they want to say and be all up close and personal. I think, though, that because I have that little bit of a divider, I can give that little outline. And then other people don't have to say the shit that's on their mind that they want to say. It's like, okay, cool. Mahogany's going to say it. I'm going to have to say it. Oh, good. Mahogany's going to talk about it in Hot Topic. You're yeah. just being who you are authentically, mm-hmm. and that works. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. like, even in the vanilla world, you still can't just go out here saying all kinds of dumb stuff because they will oh, drag no. you. <laughs> they will drag you so quick and be like, sis, really? That's what we doing? Because, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have regretted, you know, just blurting stuff out without thinking about it because then everybody comes for them. Twitter comes for them. Instagram comes for them. So it's like you just have to be mindful. But, you know, do you. If it resonates, do what you need to do. So true. How has COVID affected you from last year until now? I mean, you have your guy. So did it really change much? or? So last year I started doing my webcaming. And I was doing really great, and I was making this some buku dollars, making my own money. And then this year, though, seems like I don't know what happened between January and now, but there's been such an influx of girls on the campsite, just newbies and I'm surprised girls. they weren't influx from last year. That's what I'm saying. But I mean, like, I just went on to one of my local campsites, and it went from having maybe two to 3,000 girls online at one point to now having 5,000 girls online. There's such an influx that now I can barely make money on my campsites. I can barely make the same kind of dollars that I was making when well, I first started. Well, don't you build up regular and camp? I mean, I try you to bring camp, up, you build up, me, but... You build up regulars, but it takes a huge amount of time. And then you have some of those dudes that are really racist oh and they kind of mess me up. They're really bad. Or they ask for race play and I'm not doing that. It gets weird. And then it's just been awkward. COVID before, when it first started, there was a great amount of money to be made because it was kind of like everybody was home. They had all this money to spend and they were kind of stuck at their computers. Now it's sort of mid and they got all this COVID vaccination stuff going on, which everybody's (laughs) just going to balls to the wall. Everybody's in that vaccine so they can get back out in public and live their lives. And so there's all these extra women online, but not the same amount of clientele that we would have. Definitely affected the campsites with everything else pretty much been neutral because yeah. I've been with the sugar daddy and I've had maybe one or two clients outside of that when I would make my trips outside of town and outside of ATL. Pretty much it. So aside from camming, being a hoe and being a sugar baby, have you done anything else in the adult entertainment world or is that pretty much your basic three? Just stripping. And I did that when I was a lot younger. I did it from 19, again at 21, and then again at 24. How did you like stripping? I liked it. I would love to go back to it. I could get my leg strength back up. I think it'd be cool, especially after watching Pussy Valley. I'm like, yeah, I kind of want to twerk on a ceiling. 
but I think it's going to take like a few classes. <laughs> and I'm definitely I mean, doing some work. Stripping has nothing to do with the pole, right? Not, <laughs> at Not at all. And the other thing is, too, is that I learned a lot just when you're going out and you have to talk to guys. I gained a lot of confidence just going out and doing that because you always have to come across with a fresh approach, can't be old. So you really have to be on your A game when you're in the club. You can't just be sticking around. So I definitely think I learned a lot. Oh, yeah. I've always said if you crash course and, you know, just confidence and men and dating, strip for a month. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But I laugh when people ask me, like, oh, so have you worked in the strip clubs in Atlanta? I'm like, the strip clubs in Atlanta scare me. Like, bitches will probably, like, beat you up for their tip. That's why you don't dance in the hood. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 you do not. Don't so, do is there anything you're investing your time and money in right now that you feel like our listeners should also invest in? I've been investing in property. I got myself okay. a little property real a year ago. All right. Yeah, and the real estate, and just having something that you own of your own. It's a little teeny cabin out in the woods, but I'm wanting to buy an acreage, section it off, and then do a little women's retreat out in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee, close to where I grew up. And I know that if we do this properly, I could have some really nice property that I could invite a whole bunch of ladies out to and be like, hey, let's do a ladies retreat for the weekend. That's really the main thing I've been investing a lot of my time into. I want it to be like a two-story Airbnb type of situation where the top floor is kind of like my little personal space and downstairs where people can stay. And then there's going to be two natural lake-type pond situations on the property that you can swim in. And then we're going to kind of get a little pass set up. And it's out in the boonies, but it's like really beautiful property. Like a getaway retreat. Really... Why not? What's the name of your book and when is it going to be available? So the name of the book is Adventures of a Brown Sugar Baby. It's going to be a Sugar Sisters saga. So I'm hoping it to be more than one book. And I'm hoping to have it out and published really by August. I'm like down to the last couple chapters. Very excited to have it almost finished. And I really just want to, yeah, just shed light on some things that I think are disparities in the community and things that we all could learn from. I did speak to a couple of people that I know that are in the trans and LGBT community. So I added a character that has a little bit of that going on because I don't want it to not fully represent the full spectrum of what's going on within sex work. So is this fiction that, or is this your actual memoir? So this is fiction for now, ah, but the lead, okay. but, but, but the lead character is kind of great. like, I don't know, I'm very happy for it to be fictional, but I'm actually making the lead character kind of slightly based around me. Very loosely, very loosely, allegedly. She's like, how based around me. <laughs> like how they do in Hollywood. Like how they do in Hollywood. Like very allegedly, very loosely, allegedly based around me. What I really want to do is, because I brought up Run the World earlier, I really want it to be a book that I can make into a series and then have it picked up by a network because right now we have The Girlfriend Experience, Run the World, which and we is have trash. a couple other shows, which is trash, by the way. <laughs> Girlfriend Experience. This last season, guys, I hate to say it, it's trash. It's not I couldn't good. Even, not. I couldn't even get through the first few episodes of the first I season. Barely I was like, have... are you serious? Nah, I'm look, done here. Look, I thought, so I thought the first season, unfortunately, I thought the first season was the best out of all three, and it was trash. <laughs> uh, but it did give you a good key on knowing the legal jargon behind what you're doing and making sure that you know your rights and making sure you know the legal ways things go about. And I look, I know you're saying goodness, but let me tell you, Christine. No, I said I guess. Oh, I guess. <laughs> I guess. But let me tell you, 
Christine, towards the end of that freaking season, she got this one situation that made me like so happy for her when she says this line. And he says, oh, my God, Christine, how could you do this to me? You fucked me for money. And she's like, oh, my gosh, you know what, Brian or whoever his name is, everybody fucks everybody for money. It's called an economy. You were just on the wrong side of the deal. And when she says that, I'm like, oh, nigga, real shade. Sorry. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You got to edit that out. I'm so sorry. I'm not editing shit out. Oh, Fuck but, that. But you when said she it, said that, I said, look, when she said that, I was like, well, you can't lie. She ain't lying, though. Everybody does. Because it is an economy. And everybody, whether you want to say it or not, somebody's getting the pleasure out of it. Somebody's not getting happy out of it. Somebody's having to pay for it. Somebody doesn't want to pay for it. Everybody is selling something and everybody is paying for something. You cannot feel bad about buying a whole bunch of products off a sheen. For some reason, some man can make you feel really bad for the fact that you paid for your company. How it's is control, make, dear. That it's makes control. sense. Yes. So, biggest mistake you've made in your adult entertainment life? Being way too open. Wait a minute. You know, you just said transparency was your thing. Here's the reason. Here's the reason. Like, listen, this is the reason. Because when I was young, and I have no problem saying this, with anonymity, like, you know, nowadays a lot of girls know how to blur their faces out and they know how to kind of keep those things kind of private. When I first started, I just totally had my pictures out there, like full face, full whatever, didn't really care. That type of transparency, not so good in the long run, could actually be dangerous. And had I known how to crop pictures and do certain stuff like that to keep myself protected, even just safeguarding certain things so I don't have creepy stalkers or something like that, those things are important. Having Mr. Number, having apps that make sure you can screen people. The biggest mistakes I made being younger were not protecting myself and not even looking at how some of those things I didn't think were going to come back to haunt me later could definitely come back to haunt me later because the internet lives forever. It lives forever does not sure go does. away. And I'm like, oh, I think it's real brave that you want to just have your full face out there. But then I think back to those days when I was like 21 and 24, and I'm like, didn't you have your full face out, though? I mean, there are plenty of people yeah. that are fine full face out, and they, they know what they're doing, and, you know, kudos to them. But, like, right, but I, moved, me, I move in too many different circles, so I govern myself accordingly. But right. I'm not going to judge somebody. That's their problem. No, no. And it's not It's not even judgment. But for me, I tried to find like a doppelganger picture. And I realized most girls don't have like mole right on the cheek right there. I looked like through probably a thousand pictures of black girls with beauty moles. I could not find a girl. And I was, I was like, okay, yeah. so maybe that, I should those be Those girls bold. definitely don't appreciate you stealing their photos. So there's that No, too. they <laughs> don't. There's that too. So I was like, yeah, not to... But the thing was, too, was that I couldn't find it. And most people were like, well, aren't you happy you can't find people that look like you? So it's kind of like, no, I want someone. You are unique. Yeah, when you're unique. So that in itself made me just realize, okay, so I probably should be a little bit more aware of privacy, protecting who I am. Did you have any mentors? I'm assuming you didn't. You figured out everything on your own? I really didn't. Yeah, I kind of figured everything out on my own. I had a couple of people that might have given me a little bit of inspiration. I do want to give a big shout out to Amy Taylor, L.A. She gave me tips on my first photo shoot. She helped me after the accident, kind of track down the person responsible. Nice. And she's a boss. We also had her on the show as well. Yes, she's a boss in the industry. I really fully respect her and love her. And 
we still stay in touch, which is crazy because I don't even think she's going to see when I tag her and stuff, but she still sees it and, and responds. And I really love women like that that not only empower other women in the industry, but look at them from overcoming adversity and really just kind of keep them going. So I see women like that, and I'm kind of like, yeah, you could be a mentor type for me because when I did my first photo shoot, she gave me all my advice on it. And That's I still awesome. look at that photo shoot, and I'm like, yeah, you know what, you you a bad bitch. I also definitely like 304 Talks. She's really great. I think that she's really repping the BBWs. Never One, heard of it. I have to look that up. 304 Talks? Yeah, she's great. And then there's uh, Run His Pockets, sis. Oh, of course. I know her. Yeah. I like her. I like uh, her a lot. Aranya Swat, I believe. Yes, yes. I like she's her. And then I also. Doing a Miami. She is doing a Miami thing. July. So we're supposed to be. I know. Hey, girl. Hey. I know. Right? Hey, girl. Hey. So shout out to her. And then I also have a big respect for Pricey Kitty. I'm really happy she's coming I'm out. Right of her. Oh my gosh, yeah, definitely go Pricey Kitty. Not only does she have her own line kind of geared towards sex workers, she has her own like the massage candle line that they melt down and they melt into lavender oils. Oh, also, nice. I bought one of the candles. They are fabulous. Super, super supportive. And yeah, I am going to go ahead and do it, even though we might not be on the best of terms, but the luxury life, she's just been fabulous. She has a lot of great pointers. She's a fabulous woman. We don't speak anymore after I met her in LA. And she just got linked up with some elite matchmaking situation to where she's like giving only a select group of girls entrance into this like elite matching thing. She's a wonderful person, very humble, very like really downhearted. I really love her. And I just want to give her a shout out. But with mentors, I didn't have one. I really played it by ear. And honestly, I listened to so many of your podcasts. <laughs> Really? When I first started it. Yes. Wow. I listened to so many of your podcasts on the way down I mean, to LA. I listened to you. In LA, I well, listened I'm to flattered. you. Like, I mean, this podcast only started like in 2018. That's what I'm saying, though. It started the year minute. that I had. Wow. It started It started the like the year that I got an accident. I started listening to you as soon as you came out. And so oh, I was wow. like, this is going to be my guideline. And, and then okay. when I saw you had the podcast, didn't you have one with Sasha Benjamin? Yeah, she's retired yeah. now. Yeah, I listened to that one and I was like, yes, because I started looking up her stuff on YouTube and being like, oh, okay, yeah, let me see how this works. She was great. I really tried to look towards other, you know, and I'm no shade to the white women. I really tried to look towards other black women. I don't think it's shade if you're trying to, like, you know, see yourself and people Mm -hmm. that look like you because they're going to have similar experiences. That's the thing. Right. A blonde girl is not, look, although I've had white girls reach out to me, so I don't know. But, right. but I'm sure, like, some white girl is, I can't even say it. I was going to say, I'm sure some white girl isn't looking up to me, but actually they are. So I don't know. Shut up. Like, I'm sorry. Have you seen how fabulous you are, girl? It's stop, not about please. the fabulousness. It's about who do you relate to. It's all about. But I mean, who you, you I mean, if you to. want to talk about transparency, the podcast has made you give a transparent outlook on life and uh, like well, not a lifestyle, but a, a yeah. but a world. But not only that, but a line of work that people aren't being really receptive to. And that's why when you're like, why were you so transparent? I was like, well, why not? Because if we look at it and we look at this is the way I kind of viewed it. If you look at all of the rap artists and the singers that we see out there, they all kind of have like the same lace front hair. Same kind of image, all polished, all glamorous. Probably one of the only people we see ever break down or have a moment where she's transparent is Lizzo. Okay, thank you. We're human. Or Demi Lovato, where she's like, filters aren't normal. And I feel like mm-hmm. when you get a few women within the industry that can do that in a certain market, you don't want to lose that because 
We have so many girls showing us right now on Instagram every day how great it is. Why would I keep doing that to you girls when there's a side of it that we all need to be aware of that isn't going to make you not want to be a sex worker or be a sugar baby, but it's going to make you aware that there's not just all this glitz and glam. And I feel like when we just have women showing just the glitz and glam and nothing else, what are we teaching them? What are they growing from? I almost lost my life to this lifestyle. What am I teaching ladies to perpetuate that lifestyle and keep on going to get a bag or to make sure you're safe while you do it? You know, safety is so crucial. I think a lot of girls, we get caught up and we're like, yeah, yeah, she got a bag, she got a bag, she got a bag. Like, hey, wait, watch out. It could happen to her too. And you really think it doesn't. And I actually did a poll and I did a meditation class in 2020 and there were five other girls in the class with me. We were doing meditation seminar. Almost three out of five of those girls had been roofing on a date. When I wow. asked them what they remembered after they got roofing on a the date, they all said nothing. Wow. They said, I don't remember anything. I remember waking up in the hotel room and I remember my underwear was gone. I remember waking up where I was last night and the guy saying, oh, we just left you. They don't remember anything either. We really have to have an honest conversation within the community instead of keeping this whole veil over it. These new girls that come in, they don't know what we've gone through. They just think it's easy money and fun time. This is why we stress safety. It's in the book. It's been on several mm-hmm. episodes. Typical example today, I got a guy message me about an appointment. And of course, mm-hmm. I, give, I give him my little spiel. Hey, I need this, 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 and this. And he goes, oh, I'm discreet. Thanks. And I'm like, yeah, but I still don't see anonymous people. Right. So. Right. What the fuck? Or, I'm discreet. Or, Thanks. Right. What? Or the guys or the guys that don't want to meet you in a public place first. They just want to meet you at their house. I'm not meeting any man at their house. I don't know I you. I mean, for, especially for a sugar day. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're not doing that. Public places. No, and I'm no, talking no about house. this is a this was an SA guy. Oh well, I'm trustworthy. I'm discreet. I said I don't yeah, care if you're no. trustworthy and discreet. We need to meet in person first. No, I'm good. I'm trying to eliminate all the f shit. I said, what does that even mean? That also shows that he's a cheapo. Oh, girl. But like, there's so many men now that are doing this where they're like, if I can find the right girl that'll take the bait, she'll do it. They do. They do. And they do. Doing it. And it's sad. All we can do is tell them, hey, be careful. But what are you going to do? What else can we do? So also, I want to do this. This is what I'm actually trying to instill. And this is going to go in my book. And I just want to hug it now while I can. I want to do something that we call like a ha, a, not an aha moment, but a ha moment where you have a help, a hoe, safety network line. Each city you're in, you have three women at least. You can contact that you know that when you go on a date, when you're coming back from a date, you're safe. I mean, let's be honest. We texted earlier and I said, make sure you let me know you're good. We need to have that within the community because we have such distance. We follow each other on social media every day, but do half of us know each other's real names? I would consider you being on my ha helpline. Like I would consider I'm you to be, like, be hey, anybody's ha. Right, but that's what I'm saying. I think we need to establish this as being something that's regular because we have a lot of girls. I'll see go on IG and they'll be like, "Got a date? I'll be gone for the next three hours. Let you know how it goes." And then we don't hear anything for three hours. I'm like, "Yo, is this good?" 
She all right. Well, she said anybody she got a number for three hours. So right. you gotta wait right. until after. Right, no, 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 not even two hours. I'm talking about like it'll be like five hours later. And she'll be like, I'll have girls that will text me that I am close with, and I'll be like, I've got a date. Let you know how it goes. And then nothing will happen for five hours. I'm like, yeah, you that's good? not how I do it. Like that... my girlfriends, especially if I'm doing an alcohol, that's usually yeah. what I Oh I yeah, for sure. The, I'm like, this is the guy's name. This is yep. his address. This yep. is the phone number. Yep. I'm supposed yep. to be there for this long. If you don't hear from me, pull up. Yep. <laughs> but yep. obviously, thank God, I've never been in a, but yeah. And I feel like that's something that we kind of need to endorse more. I feel like we've gotten so used to not trusting other women. I get that. We don't have a lot of women in the community that are fully 100%. But there are a lot of women that do just want to make sure you're okay. And they don't have ulterior motives. And if we don't allow that. That we need to just look at it as a whole. Because I feel like hoes get a bad rap in that, oh, we're the only ones that are shady. Nah, everybody in the world is shady. Everybody is shady. (laughs) Men are shady. Regular like, women it's are not shady. Just this industry and vanilla yep. worlds, they do way more shadier shit too. Like reporting yep. to your boss or like the worst of the worst. From your drunken party day for your drunken <laughs> party days. Like yeah, like they do the worst, and I think that that's the, probably the biggest stereotype that comes down on it. It's like we're really not that way. Just do your due diligence and govern yourself, and do try to get some whole friends. But obviously, again, proceed with caution. Don't just be like right. so gung-ho and desperate to get a whole friend that you end up with a fucking hater. Kind of like what I put in my book, and it is one of the finessers. So I'm going to go ahead and give a little free game. I always tell women, like, if the girl that you want to mess with is getting things done that you want to get done, all kudos to you. But if she's not representing what you want to represent, don't be going and following the pack. That's not what you want to be doing. Because if you get caught up in this whole gung-ho mentality of get a bag real quick and there's no goal behind it you really can get caught up in a situation you don't want maybe for your short-term girls you still got to be thinking long term you really you really do the thing is too is there was a youtube and it was called escorts the two girls are like out in london and the girl says real quickly she's like the thing is you get all this money and you get all this money and you think it's going to be coming back around you think it's always going to be there and it's not and then you wake up one day and you're like, what the hell do I have? I think it's very important that you have an end goal in mind and you have a goal in mind. We mm-hmm. see a lot of girls spawning all this money and I think it's great. More kudos to you if you're getting a bag. But more kudos to you if you're showing girls what you did with that bag, how you invest, as opposed to this is my lifestyle, just getting a bag and nothing else. I mean, it's sad though, but to... a lot of us don't invest and it's not just hoes. That's just the no, world in general. Like it I was, really is in America. Like I think it was something like 5% of people. And it said right. something like if 87% of Americans had a $1,000 emergency, that would bankrupt them. Like just, you right. know, and I'm thinking, and like, this cannot be, no, but no it, it cannot is. be America. But it is. But we've, is. we've all mm-hmm. made the dumb mistake. We've all like gotten our money earlier when we first started and just blew it all thinking, mm-hmm. oh, we're just going to make it back, you know, but you live, you learn, you do better. Thank I you. really wish I could get like a good, like investor person come on the show, but Hey, we're hoes and like they would it's have possible. to be home friendly. No, it's possible because there are some people that are like really good investors and I'm sure I could yeah, find but a I, couple of I, I need them and... to be open and not like come on here all judgy, judgy. 
True. But I mean, like, I do think that that's one of the things, too, that see all this money coming through within the community. I'm very guilty of this, of having thousands of thousands upon dollars, at least 50000 a year come into my pocket and it not being invested or saved. Over three years, I should have over $150,000 saving. Actually, you technically like, should have more than 150 more because than you would have invested it. That's the whole point. And this is what I really need girls to hear. So I'm glad that you said it. I, I mean, but more. I talk about finance stuff all the time on the show, but right. it's not sexy. Nobody wants to but hear about also, that. No, nobody yeah. wants to hear about it. But as women, <laughs> but I talk as about women, it the anyway. thing is, though, right. And here's the thing, though. As women, though, and this is the thing I need everybody to hear. This is real important. At any moment, what I have right now with Mr. Santa Monica could go away. And had I invested all that, I'd have $150,000, if not more, in savings and be like, it's cool, I'm fine. Because I don't have that, I now have to worry about finding a security cushion to make sure that's not a problem. And that's why so many women get caught up in the game and they can't get out because they're always looking for that security blanket and they can't get out of it. All on you. No one else is responsible. I've had to have very transparent conversations with Mr. Santa Monica and say, you know what? It's my fault. If I was really smart, I would have invested more money and saved more money the whole time I've been with you. He can't sit here and say, yeah, you know, it's my fault. If you can't take accountability for how you hold up your finances and how you deal with your finances, you will never be able to fully deal with your finances. It's up to you to be able to save $1,000 every freaking month. And so if you lose that money train, you only have anybody to blame but yourself. But you have to be transparent enough for yourself to have that conversation. That's where it comes in handy because it's really not for any of these guys that you date. It's really not for the sugar daddies. It comes in handy, yeah, being humble. But being honest with yourself about how you hold yourself accountable with your finances is extremely important. Because if you don't, you're really not learning. And you're not going anywhere. You're not fucking upward. Now you're just fucking up. (laughs) And speaking of the newbies, please tell the newbies the essential things they need in order to be a successful sugar baby. I'm not going to say companion because you're not even in this lane anymore. So. And if I am, it's very, I'm, I'm dabbling, you know, I'm dabbling, I'm dabbling, <laughs> I'm kind of dabbling it out, you know, I'm, you know, Mr. Santa Monica, but I tell him I'm dabbling, he thinks I'm giving massages, quote unquote. <laughs> I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> Look, if he does, it's fine, it's fine, he's going to laugh it off. The main thing is that you need to have a very strong sense of self. You need to have a financial end game in place so that if you're going into this lifestyle, you know what you want to earn and what you want to get out with. You need to make sure that you do not feel extremely guilty for any mistakes you make when you start out. And also make sure that if you do get a mentor or you get anybody that you want to follow or look up to, that they are literally living the lifestyle you want and that they're giving off that energy that you want, as opposed to they're not even living up to what it is that you want out of the lifestyle. You want to be a trophy wife and they're not trophy wives. Don't make them your mentors. If you want to be a luxury girlfriend and they're not a luxury girlfriend, don't make them your mentors. Make sure that they connect with their values. And the main thing that I really got to tell all these newbies is you really need to make sure this lifestyle is for you. So many women today memorize the lifestyle and they make it seem very easy, very luxurious. But the time and energy and value that goes into this lifestyle is not easy. It can take you months to years to gain an actual steady clientele it took me five to seven years within the lifestyle before I found one sugar daddy. Not going to happen overnight. And if you get into it thinking it's going to be an overnight success, you're not only going to disappoint yourself, 
but you're going to do the one thing that I don't want any woman to do, which is act out of desperation. Do not ever act out of desperation for money. Facts. What's the worst advice you've ever gotten? Um, be yourself and give off the like best bougie. Oh man, I want to like look up the actual comment. It was a screenshot that I kept the longest time, but it was like men invest in you if you look your best self and you just do all this. Look high value, they'll give you high value. I got twenty thousand thousand twenty thousand dollars from a guy just from looking really hot and not doing anything we have sex. I didn't believe it. I didn't believe it. I didn't <laughs> like it. The advice pissed me off. I was like, that's bullshit. I don't like you. Pissing me off. I'm not gonna even name her, but I know who she is. I swear to God, I will send this to you later. I will screenshot this that I have and it's still my screenshots. And I laughed when I read it. And I said it out loud to my sugar and said, so if I did this, would you be with me right now? And he said, hell no. And so I just laughed because I was like, worst advice ever. I don't know who you girls are, but I can't handle this right now. And what's the best advice you've ever gotten? Always take the spoiled girlfriend route. If the guy's ever being skeptical. And can you clarify more on what that means? If you know that he'll be able to give you things long term and he doesn't want to do things short term, Lean into it as long as you can. Give him the intention he needs. Lead him into thinking that sex is probably going to be involved in the next three or four months. Get what you need out of it when you can. I had a guy that I knew for three months. He was a truck driver. I'm just calling Mr. Truck Driver. Within the first three months of us hanging out, the first time we went out, I bought a pair of bell bottoms and some shoes I needed for my feet. And then within the first three months, because I had mentioned at one time that I needed an apartment, he went and took me apartment hunting. So it was all because I leaned into what I needed. And I knew that, okay, he's a truck driver. He showed me what his salary was. He showed me what kind of money he was working with because I knew he was a super giving person. I just leaned into one of my needs and saw if he would acquiesce to that. I didn't ask him full on. All I literally said was, yeah, you know, I'm going to be looking for an apartment soon. And the next time we went out, hey, I have a surprise for you. We had a little picnic. And the next thing you know, he was taking me to all these different apartments. Did so I knew not to press it. <laughs> oh, he paid for everything. Shoot, he was okay. going to pay for it. He was going to pay for sure. it. He looked, shoot, he was already getting ready, Teddy. Like, little five points, that's where he went. Okay, he was all for it. Called the engineer, and I have no problem calling him that. I call him Mr. Redneck Santa. He was the guy that moved my cabin. It was in Hohenwald, Tennessee, and we had to move it to Lawrenceburg, Tennessee. This man, I met him off a of Tinder. And he moved my cabin for free all the way to Lawrenceburg. He knew I didn't have the finances to get it moved. Didn't have to do anything with him. Didn't have to do nothing. We're still in touch to this day. To this day. Because he just showed up in Atlanta very randomly, not even a couple weeks ago. I have guys like that where you play a certain route and they'll do stuff for you. And I didn't do anything. I didn't promise him anything. So another one that likes you. FYI. Yep, another one that likes you. But here's the thing. If you really stay humble with whatever character or image you want to project onto the man, it's just going to make it easier for them to want to be providing. It's a little different, though, when you're just projecting a false image. And then when you come to them with real issues, it doesn't seem genuine because you've never voiced it. So repetition. Repetition is very key. <laughs> Repetition is very key. They do that with children, a sugary... so apparently it still Yo, works with adults. It still works with men, it still works with adults all the time. And you think it doesn't, but it does. So, If you could yeah. go back in time and talk to your 17-year-old self, what would you say to her? 
things are going to be very rocky. Damn, just traumatize yourself, why don't you? Hey, I ain't even going to know. I'm not even going to traumatize myself. I'm just gonna, no, because really, if I just been able to brace myself, it's going to be a little like rocky over the next few years. You are going to come upon a strong sense of self and a strong sense of self-determination to not only fulfill your own dreams, but also make your parents proud. Favorite vacation destination? I really want to go to the Maldives. I know it sounds crazy because it's not a safe place to go, but I really want to go to Mexico City where there's the Frida Kahlo Museum. Why is it not a safe place to go now? Mexico City is not a safe city to go to. A lot of notorious theft. Not not just that, but just, (laughs) no, 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 just a lot of notorious theft. It's like not really a safe city to go and visit. But that's where Frida Kahlo's house is. And that's the house that they made into her museum with all her artwork. So you have to go to Mexico City. I mean, I might risk my life to go see some great art. You never know. That'd be pretty badass. Just don't look rich. Uh... Right. I just got to look real poor. I got to just real broke. I got to have like dirt on my clothes and shit. And like. Just wear some Yeezys my... and you'll be fine. Have some Afro puffs. Have some Afro puffs. No wigs or weave, girl. Just go shopping in Kanye West's collection. You'll be fine. I know you didn't take this uh, list of Yeezys. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. Just go in his line and you'll be fine. What do you do in your free time? I mainly write. I work on music. I meditate and I read a lot. They say the average millionaire reads like maybe five to ten books a year. So I made it the plan to read five books a month. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Reading is something I definitely do a lot. And then I've really gotten into YouTube University. Just like learning about different things like stocks yeah. and other things in the finance world. And it's just like a rabbit hole that I love. Yes, girl. Favorite movie of all time. I'm not going to lie. I just watched it again. I really like so really my favorite movie of all time, and don't laugh, is the Goofy movie. But if it came to, like, the modern day, Love Jones. Love Jones is not modern, but okay. <laughs> well, I'm talking about Love Jones is like, Love Jones is back in the 90s. Most people don't even know that what the hell that movie is. not modern. Talk about the modern to day me movie. It's modern. <laughs> that, to me, it's more modern than freaking Goofy movie. That shit is back in, like, God, I don't even want to know yeah, what years that timeless. was. Yeah, but that's it totally is. And Tevin Campbell plays freaking Powerline, so you cannot get mad at me for loving that movie. <laughs> I can't get mad at you for loving whatever but, movie. But when it comes to like a modern day like love story movie, I definitely love Love Jones. It's got jazz, it's got poetry, it's got all the right elements. And two people that like don't want to admit they're in love with each other, but they totally love each other. Y'all is that the Love stupid. Jones? That's Love Jones. Well, that's, that's pretty it. much today's world anyway. So maybe it is modern. Uh, I'm telling TV you, see, hey, <laughs> uh, favorite TV show recently, and it did it did get canceled after it came out with its latest season, but She's Gotta Have It by Spike Lee he had his own little Netflix series that was going on. He did two seasons, but Nola Darling in the first season has like three lovers, and she has one dude named Jamie Overstreet, like Wait, is this She's Gotta Have It? This is She's Gotta Have It, not yeah, the yeah, movie. Yeah. Oh, but no, 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 no. Series... I did watch it. I watched it. Oh, yeah. I watched it. Oh, yeah. And I was like, yes. that one scene where she did a whole musical with her three lovers, I'm like, this is not realistic. <laughs> right? Not at all. No, not at all. They're that all scene. like singing and dancing. But, where I'm but, like, you can't, yeah. but you can't tell me you didn't enjoy it. Like, it was, it was very funny. enjoyable. It was you know, it was funny. It was funny. So it was funny. The second season gets more internal and it kind of like looks at her as an artist. It but did slow down a little season... bit, though. But then I guess it they canceled it. No. They canceled it, and it made me mad. But obviously, with that last episode, you could see why people were like, "Yes, yeah, Spike, I don't know if we can have 
more of this controversial stuff on Netflix. But hasn't but he always been there. controversial? Like always, always. I think because of how he did it, and maybe perhaps the climate when he did it. For me, I was surprised. I kept on waiting for season three, and it never came out. But the first season, the first parts when Jamie Overstreet sends her like the ten thousand dollars, and like she got all this stuff going on, he's paying for her Brookstone. I'm like that part I could get with. And also the fact that she wasn't confined to one person. I can get with the fact that she returned the check. That part. Oh, that shit pissed me off. That part that wasn't me. No, that part wasn't me. That was the only part that was not me at all. I was like, yeah, no, you tripping. You a dumbass. No, I ain't gonna lie. When I saw that scene, I know you did not send back the money. Mm, You mm, a dumbass. mm. Like I got real mad at her. Mm-hmm. He tried to give her money every step of the way, and she kept saying yep. no. And I'm like, no, nope. aren't you broke? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be like, no, like, yo. I'm glad she initially was trying to like do her own thing, but at the same time, I was like, you can do both, check. sis. Take the you check. You can do your own thing Take and get paid. Like, I don't. But when it. I saw that Jamie was married and was willing to go ahead and get his mistress a check for 10k. And was going to have to go to freaking sleazy ass old freaking Willie. I was like, yeah, okay. Respect to you, Nola, because you got some magical pussy. I mean, but he was going to do that anyway. He was, but it was also because she was giving him this vibe. But when she did that, I got to admit, when she returned the check, I was a little upset. I was like, come on now. And you don't realize he's paying for it until his wife confronts him and says, like, She's staying in the brownstone. It's like, oh, wait. So, so Noah's living in your brownstone. You're paying for her. Oh. Mm-hmm. And technically, really, technically in the next season, even though we see Mr. Overstreet going through some changes of his own, we never really see that he stopped paying for Noah's brownstone. I'm sure the wife had something to say about that. Well, she obviously did halfway through that season. Pet peeves. But you catch Nola. Um, people that chew with their mouth open. <laughs> people what people that like... The etiquette police? <laughs> I was nah, like, I'm look, kidding. okay, that was You should like, definitely oh, okay. not chew with your mouth open. Like, I don't, don't know understand how people do that. <laughs> I don't like it when men say, oh, well, you speak very articulate. I don't like when people say you're very mature for your age. Certain things like that. And it makes you feel like so I automatically want to smack people you. People need to stop talking, is what you're saying. They just need to stop talking. <laughs> but the problem is, too, it's only when I'm going on dates with certain white men that really bother me when that happens. You know, you speak very articulate. I'm very surprised. How are you surprised? How like, about then I, I want to immediately... my hand into your wallet? Like, okay, that? you know what? Yeah, I'm going to articulate my head into that checkbook. <laughs> I'm going to just write out a check for myself. It's going to be real articulate and real strict and real straight. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. <laughs> uh, I think that's my biggest thing and also misconceptions within this community and uh, when you date white men from the south some of the stuff that comes out of their mouth immediately repulses you and you don't know if you want to continue to date I honestly think they don't know any better they don't <laughs> that's the problem sis I grown <laughs> up in the south and so it took me a moment when I got back to the south as an adult and I was sitting there dating some of these people where I was like oh so y'all really don't know you act really idiotic right now you're saying something very insulting to me you have no idea let me just sip my wine and smile at they're you complimenting you they really do, and they don't know it's the biggest insult you could give a woman. And you know for a fact when you're sitting there, like, you don't say this shit to no white women. 
you ain't said this to no white the ones girl. That, the ones that get me are the ones that immediately start talking about how they only love black women and they hate white oh, women. And yeah. I'm just like, I don't know if this is even necessary to tell me. Why don't you keep your fucking oh, fantasies yeah. to yourself? Oh yeah, I don't even see how you telling me you don't like your own race is a little. And then what gets weird is there, right, right. And then what gets weird for me is when you act as your own race, and they immediately get offended, and you're like, "But I thought you didn't like white girls." Because now as soon as I start acting like a black girl, get upset. What's the problem? What do you want? What do you even want? And then I start getting real angry. Then my Virgo starts coming out. I'm like, I think you should just take me home before I cuss you out. Like, really? I think they project this fantasy of black women onto black women. And if some girl comes and rebukes that, same with me with my essay date, or they're opinionated, or they disagree with them on politics, they they immediately get conflicted because they're like, oh, well, the black girl I was with before was submissive and didn't have an opinion. And didn't say anything. And let me tell you, my essay guy, he didn't make a sound. He didn't I make mean, a sound. Maybe he, and as I a said, kid, he was told that he should only be seen and not made, heard. No, that would not even exist. It was someone else. I even told myself, so you're telling me no other girls complained about this? And he said, no. And I said, and all the other girls you've been with have been black. And he said, yes. And I knew, I was like, they are not complaining because they're just that desperate for the money. There's no way I can do that on a regular basis. Well, so please leave our listeners, both guys and girls, with some parting <laughs> advice. <laughs> I'm telling you, yeah, we can talk, girl, we're going to talk about that offline at some point because I got to yeah. ask you a couple questions about yeah. that. Like, it was, I put that shit in my book because it was so freaking hilarious. I was like, I can't. This has to go in my book because I don't know if this has ever been encountered before. And I even had girls ask me, they were like, Yo, he didn't do nothing. I was like, he didn't make a noise. He just kind of bit his lip and would stick his tongue out. That was kind of like the only indication I got. Mm-hmm. Um, but my parting advice to any of the listeners is make sure you're true to yourself. Have an end game in place. And whether you're with a long-term client or a long-term SD, like AKA Sugar Daddy, make sure that you know what it is that you want. Even though it seems like a very glamorous lifestyle to get into, there's never a wrong time to get out of the lifestyle and be true to yourself. The lifestyle is good, though, because, you know. Lifestyle's let, great. Let's lifestyle's not, fabulous. I feel like, like we've, all, we've only been telling them cautionary tales. I'm like, I know. That's fine. Okay, so let me, let me just be there. Let me just like, so <laughs> let me tell you, let me, let me close on a very, let me like close on a very jovial, luxurious note. The lifestyle is fabulous. Not having to pay my rent or my own bills for the past Three and a half years has been a very, very, very wonderful experience. I mean, but who it doesn't has like to, free rent? Who doesn't <laughs> like free rent? And there are a lot of women who are doing this lifestyle that do not have that luxury. And I have to be blessed for the situation I'm in. But it really depends on how long you want that to last. And at the end of the day, it's not about a cautionary tale. It's more about being a woman that has your own financial independence. Much as you may enjoy having somebody else paying your own rent. The best feeling is having enough money to pay your own rent and having the man be optional as opposed to the rent being optional and the man being an independent thing that you have to have. And lastly, please leave our listeners with all your social media handles. My Twitter right now is meetalexis2020. My IG is mahoganybabe88. That's where I share all my messages 
It also has all my updates on my book. And I will be um, starting a website soon to promote the book sales. And I do expect to start selling the book in August. Awesome. Awesome. So be on the lookout. Yes. Adventures of a, of a brown sugar baby coming soon, ladies. And I do want to just give a real shout out to all of our brown sugar ladies out there. I really just feel like I did a lot of research. We don't have a lot of representation. I really wanted to have a book that not only shed a light on the LGBTQ community, but also on a community that's overlooked. And that even if we don't fully talk about the stigma, I can have a book out now that really kind of approaches the stigma and lets us have an open conversation. Yes, yes. Thank you so much, Mahogany, for coming on the show. This was long Thank overdue. Thank you, right? I'm so glad we got to talk about everything. And yes, looking forward to having you back on. Maybe we can do like an IG live or something. You know? Yes, please. Let's try and figure or that out. Um, live or something. Because I really yes, need more girl. content from my video. Agreed. <laughs> Look, bo- both. Me and you both. So yeah, yeah I will hit you, you up soon. you your little talks every Wednesday. You have a lot I of I really video. do. I really do. So it's like, we got to figure something out so I can get you on like next one for hot topics so we can kind of do like yeah, a, a I need, I need more video about. content for my YouTube I got channel, you so, well, I got yeah, you I got let's you for sure all right hun. well love you to you for sure thank you so much for having me on the podcast I'm so honored yeah I can't wait till this comes out I'm really yes, excited yes and hopefully you come back another time and we can talk about whatever else oh for sure be sure to follow the show on Twitter at TSEG podcast and on Instagram at TSEGP. Join our Patreon page for exclusive videos on dating, sugaring, and freestyling tips for both the gentlemen and ladies. Patreon.com forward slash TSEGP. Follow your host Vivian on Twitter and Instagram at Exotic Vivian. Please leave the show a five-star rating on iTunes. Until next time, keep it sexy and stay receptive.